0: I'm ready to teach this to you. I've been dwelling on it all week. The title of this morning's message is Blessed or Bamboozled? Blessed or Bamboozled? At least as far as I'm concerned, Thanksgiving's done. And we are officially in Christmas season. That means turn on the lights. I love Christmas, y'all. If I had the time, I would be the Griswolds. I mean, you would see my house from the moon. I like Christmas. And so I, I'm and for those of you. And I won't say who. That think this is Ohio State Buckeye colors because they beat God's favorite team, Michigan, yesterday. This is Christmas, not Ohio State. Do not be confused and do not be deceived by certain people. Let it go. I just told Larry. Larry came into the pastor's office before service, and he was talking about it. And I said, Larry, that's of the past, my friend. Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind. you got to press on. Let it go. Now, I wouldn't have to let it go if Michigan had won. I'm just saying. But they lost, so you let it go. So I don't know where that came from, but I had to get that out. <clears throat> it's out on TV now and Internet, so this is, this is Christmas. And the reason I'm saying that is Christmas season is the time when we focus on gifts. Given and received, right? We're thinking about what we can do to bless those in our lives and really dwelling on what can they do to bless us. It's the, it's, so the re, my intent, the Lord willing, is from now until the first of the year, every week, to uncover another facet of our giving God. To talk about the God who gives graciously, who withholds not, who who gives healing to those who are hurting, who gives wholeness to those who are broken, that he will bless you in every conceivable way. His goodness is not restricted to just spiritual. It includes spiritual, of course, because if you were blessed materially, but not spiritually, you wouldn't be whole. But you can't be just blessed spiritually and be destitute materially because then you're not whole. And the gospel is the good news of wholeness. Shalom, nothing broken, nothing missing, everything restored. So we need to know we serve a giving God. Right? And so today what I want to do is I want to attack head on full frontal assault some common misconceptions that people have about God because you've heard me say it many many times that God is the most misunderstood personality in all of creation all kinds of people people have ideas and, and co- concepts about who God is and people are confused about who the Father is and and so today we listen we don't want to go you know the bible says he's not given us the spirit of confusion we ain't supposed to be confused uh-huh. confusion ain't of God no, sir. Amen. he wants us to know right. amen. amen in fact go to the book of Hebrews I want to read to you out of chapter 11 verse 6 the Bible says reading it to you out of the New American Standard and without faith it is impossible to please him God listen God wants to find pleasure in our lives. He finds pleasure in our prosperity. That's Bible. That means complete wholeness. When God looks upon His children and He sees us broken, that does not delight Him. We need to understand that. God don't break you unless He remakes you, but He never leaves you in a broken state. He takes no delight in your heart being broken. He takes no delight in your dreams being broken. He takes no delight in your body being broken. He takes no delight in a broken mind. He delights in wholeness. Right? So God wants to find pleasure in us. And so that means we must have faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Now, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, faith has two components. Y'all with me? Yes, sir. For he who comes to God must first believe that he is. Now, notice the word must. Everyone say must. What does that mean to you? It means there's no other options, right? If you're a parent and you tell your child you must take out the trash, that ain't, that's not a negotiation, This is what you must do. So the Holy Spirit uses this word must. What? Believe that He is. It means we must believe that God exists. Now you've heard me say this, and I'm going to get this train out of the station shortly, but it's really important how we define someone including God, because some of you remember, i preached this before, that how you define a person or a place or a thing determines what they become to you. Yes, sir. They can never rise above your definition. Now you can redefine, but until you redefine, they can never become more to you than what you defined them to be. That's right. That means if you, if you define someone as a liar, every utterance of their mouth is suspect. Yes. Even if they ain't never told a lie. But if you define them as a thief, you're always on guard, even if they've never stolen. You following me? So how we define God determines who and what God can be to us. To the atheist, God does not exist. Now I said to the atheist, to the fool that says in his heart, there is no God, there ain't one because that's how they define him you following me yes, sir. this is the reason why throughout the Old Testament God would constantly reveal himself with a new name uh-huh. right he would reveal himself a new facet because until you knew that's what he was he could never be that to you but once he said I am the Lord that healeth thee now you could be receive healing from the Lord yeah. So He would give you new information so you could redefine who He was so He could become bigger and larger and more intimate in your life. So the writer to the Hebrews says you must believe that He is. That's step number one. But then look at step number two. You must, everyone say must. must. You must believe that He is a rewarder. Now, this is where some people get tripped up, and we're going to deal with this in a bit. But a lot of people believe a lot of things about God. Rewarder is not at the top of the list. They believe God is a judge and a harsh one at that. They believe God is out to get them, that God is measuring every action against the last action to determine whether you're worthy of being blessed or not. But the writer to the book of he- or to the Hebrew says you must believe that he is and you must everyone say must, must. believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Yes. That means we got to redefine doesn't matter what we believed about God yesterday. It doesn't matter what that pastor with the Ph.D. told us, because, you know, Ph.D. can stand for a post hole digger. Right? You following me? It doesn't matter what they said about God. Let God define God. He's the only one really qualified to do it. Yes, sir. So if the Bible says you must believe that he's a rewarder, then redefine him and now call him your rewarder. Yes, sir. And what that means is this, that when you come to him in faith, believing that he is and believing that he is the giver of, and this is what it literally means in the Greek language, advantageous gifts. So that those who seek him receive advantages. So that, listen, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Doesn't it? God God wants us to believe. He wants us to have faith. Because faith is the only channel through which he can pour out his blessings in our lives. This, this would be an epiphany for some people yes. because they believe God ought to work according to the harshness of your circumstances and they don't understand why you're hurting so bad and God ain't moving. Why, why doesn't He sweep through the continent of Africa and, and, and fix every situation where children are starving? Yes. Because God doesn't work according to situations, God only moves through the channel of faith. Come on, brother. Come on, brother. Come on. You following me? So God gives us reasons to believe so that he then can move and do what he's promised to do. Yes, sir. Yes. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And doubt and unbelief can actually restrict the Holy One of Israel. There's a wonderful book, and this isn't part of my message, but I'm going to throw it out there. There's a wonderful book by this guy named Andrew Walmack, And it's entitled Unlim- Don't Limit God. If you haven't read it, buy it, read it, take the limits off of God. Because God wants to do so much more for each of us than we've ever let Him do. Amen? I don't know about you, but as for me, I'm determined in the next 50, 60, 70 years of my life, I'm taking limits off, man. And I don't care who it pleases and who it irritates, who it frustrates. I want to have and be Everything the Bible says I can have and be, and the change starts with me. I don't need you to believe for me, I need to believe, and you don't need me to believe for you. You need to believe, amen. Now, I'm gonna start all of that. None of that was the sermon, and we're gonna start the sermon with this a question because we're talking about blessed or bamboozled. Is it possible, do you suppose, for a child of God to love God but not trust God? Yeah. Absolutely yes. Because trust isn't based on love, trust is based on knowledge. Yeah. You can never trust someone more than you know them. You can wish you could. And you can set yourself up for a lot of disappointment and heartbreak when you trust someone before you know them because then later on you discover to your own pain that they were untrustworthy. But you can never trust someone beyond what you know of them. And this is the reason why it's possible to love God and not fully trust God. In fact, I want to say this. Ain't not a one of us trust God the way we should. Now that's not a statement of condemnation because I didn't say y'all don't trust God. I said we. Because if we trusted God the way we should, then every anxiety in life would be cast over on Him and we would never know worry, never know stress, never know anxiety, never know fear. Never. Everyone say never. Because when I say never, bro, I'm talking about never ever as in never. No matter what the circumstances, if we trusted God, the way we ought to, those things would be alien concepts to us. We would never know stress. The fact that we know a moment of fear is proof we got room to improve. It ain't about condemnation. It's about the fact that we can improve the situation because it ought to be our aspiration that we get to a place in life we don't know no fear. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. It doesn't matter what I'm walking through. You following me? Quit blaming your fear on your circumstances because if you trusted God the way you should... We would walk through without fear. Why? Because we know even in this place of darkness and death and disease, there's one who sits upon a throne and he sticks closer to me than a brother. He'll never leave me, never forsake me. So even though I'm going through adversity, I ain't going through it alone. And that gives me a reason to believe. And have no fear. Hallelujah. But the reason why we have fear is because we don't know. We love. But we don't know Him as we should. Can I say something to you? And I'm a word of faith preacher. It ain't about being able to recite scriptures. It's about knowing the God of the scriptures. It's about knowing His character his nature, his desires, and his intent. Because you can't trust him beyond how you know him. There's a man sitting right here named Brad Galloway. Good looking man. He keeps improving. One day he'll be as pretty as me. Now he's working on it. He's working on his grip. I know Brad. Brad has walked with me for years. And I know he'll do anything I ask him to. I could stand up here in this spot right here, turn my back to y'all, and fall backwards if Brad was standing behind me and know he'd catch me. Because I have no doubt he would put himself in harm's way to keep me safe. Right? Because I know his character, I can fall back into his arms. But now even though I know Brad, and I love Brad, I couldn't stand up here and fall back into the arms of his shadow. Because shadow is not substance. You following me? And there's a reason why, actually there's several reasons why saints don't trust God the way they should. But for the purpose of time, I'm going to keep it to two words. Types, shadows. Too many saints know more about God's shadow then they do his substance. What do you mean by that? Let me read you this verse. Is this okay this morning? Go to Colossians chapter 2, verse 17. Verse 16 is talking about the ceremonies and the Sabbaths and the celebrations of the Old Covenant. And verse 17 says, These things which are mere shadow of what is to come. Because, but the substance belongs to Christ. The old covenant is types and shadows. Right, right. That, brother. Yet so many saints use the old covenant of types and shadows as their source material for who God is. Yeah. Yes. And the... They're more familiar with the shadow than they are the substance. They can tell you more about the judgments of the prophets than the grace of Christ. So they're falling back into the arms of a shadow. And they keep falling down and hurting themselves and wonder where God is. The substance is Christ. What do you mean by that? Years ago, listen, we're all familiar with this. Preachers preach entire sermons out of nothing but the Old Covenant. Help me, Father. I remember one time sitting in a church and I was hearing a pastor preach an entire sermon out of the Old Covenant. And it could not, cleave, could not be brought into the new. It couldn't. And I was sitting there greatly troubled because I knew what he was preaching didn't apply to the church. How many of you know, is this, is, y- y- y'all are stone quiet, I hope you're getting this. The Bible says it's those who know how to rightly divide the word of truth that aren't ashamed. I want to say that again. To those who know how to rightly divide the word of truth, you've got to know what was spoken to who and why. Because too many preachers, they'll go to a prophet of Israel speaking a judgment over Israel and preach it as if it applies to the whole church. Amen or oh me? Right? I've heard preachers preach out of the book of Job and do nothing but quote Job's friends. And yet God said that what they said of him was untrue. That's what God said. God said what they said, eh. and yet preachers will preach it as if it's the truth because it sounds good. Uh-huh. Right. And or they'll go back once again. They'll go back to a, a prophet of Israel speaking to Israel for a specific season at a specific time. And they will prophesy that judgment over the entire church and get the whole church to believe we're under judgment. No, sir. How many of you ever heard an offering sermon based on fear? If you don't do it, you're going to be cursed. Well, did Christ redeem us from the curse or not? Did Christ redeem us? And if He redeemed us, how can we be cursed? Because even a fallen prophet named Balaam knew, you can't curse what God has blessed. And if God has blessed you, the devil himself cannot curse you. But when saints of God don't know who, what, and why, We get confused. And this is what the Lord told me that day when I was hearing that preacher preach. The Lord said, anytime, and I heard the Lord so clear. I heard him like a a, a church bell on a Sunday morning. He said, anytime you hear a message which can't be brought into the New Testament, meaning can't be taught out of the New Testament, he said, be cautious. He didn't say throw it away. I'm not advocating we don't ever read the Old Testament because the book of Romans says those things were written for our instruction and our admonition that we might have hope. But they're they're, they're narratives and they're storylines. Okay, you read what happens to those who are rebellious and you say, you know what? It might be a good idea not to be rebellious. And you read about what God does when they repent and you think, wow, it might be a good idea to repent. But what you don't do is use that as your source material for who God is. I'm about to drop a truth bomb that might make a crater in your mind. God does not treat everyone the same. Because all of us have heard God's no respecter of persons. And so we thought, well, if God ever did it for anyone, he'll do it for us. And that's true if you do what they did. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34, Peter, because he saw God pour out his spirit upon the Gentiles, said, I'm persuaded to believe that God is no respecter of persons and he shows no partiality. And that's true. But verse 35 explains where that is true. And he said, all of those who come to him, he receives or makes welcome." All of those who come to Him in faith, in fear, believing, repenting, he, God does not disqualify anyone based upon where they come from, what they look like, or even how many mistakes or how sinful they've been. He welcomes all. And in that application, He is impartial and He treats everyone the same who will come to Him. But that don't mean God treats everyone the same. Pastor, where are you going? Are you trying to confuse us? No, I'm trying to clear up confusion. Right? Right? Because here's what I want you to imagine. Imagine you can get into a time machine. And you go in this time machine and it transports you through time and space. And it drops you off in the land of ancient Egypt, right after the time of the Exodus. For the sake of time, I'm not even going to go back to Noah and show you how God did things for Noah he didn't do for no one else. And I'm not going to take you to the life of Abraham and show you how in the life of Abraham, God did things for Abraham he didn't do for no one else. I'm just going to take you to the land of ancient Egypt where you get out of this time machine and you suddenly find you can speak Egyptian. So you walk up to an Egyptian and you ask them, tell me about the God of Abraham. Who just delivered the Hebrews out of Egyptian bondage. And this Egyptian would look at you. Maybe with the pain on his face, maybe with anger on his face, maybe with pain. That's pain and anger mixed. But he, this Egyptian would begin to tell you about the things that had just happened. Lice, mice, darkness, death. And he would paint a portrait for you based upon what actually happened of a vengeful God of judgment without mercy. And let's imagine you could... Step across, and you're, now you're over in the, the camp of the Hebrews, and you ask a Hebrew in Hebrew. It's amazing. The same question tell me about the God of Abraham who just delivered you all out of Egyptian bondage. And this Hebrew would begin to recite for you lice, mice, darkness, and death, but with a look of pleasure and gratitude upon their face. And instead of a vengeful God, they would talk to you using the same source material a God of mercy and deliverance and grace who not only brought him out of Egypt, but healed every one of them so that not a one of them came out of bondage sick or poor because they ransacked Egypt. The Egyptians and the Hebrews would have a different perspective of God. Same God, different perspective. You following me? Now imagine you could step forward in time and you could find yourself in the nation of Israel during the time of David. And as an observer, you notice God was doing great and wonderful things for Israel. He didn't do for the Philistines. God doesn't treat everyone the same. Imagine you could come further and you come into the time of the church. And according to the promises of the book, we are supposed to be a completely separate people. If we really believed that he was a rewarder, then the observer would look upon our lives and see they have protections and provisions from a God that we can't see that no one else has. They're protected from famine in a time of famine. They're protected from pestilence in a time of pestilence. They have provisions and promises that God ain't offered to no one else before because what god does for his church he doesn't do for everyone see god loves the whole world but he's particularly fond of and connected to the redeemed Uh the church yes sir you following me now can you imagine how confusing it would be if we built our concept of god based off of everything we heard if we took a little bit of what the Egyptians said, a little bit of what the Philistines said, a little bit of what the Hebrew slaves said, and a little bit of what a Jew in Israel said, we would have this picture of God that we never knew whether He was going to bless us or bamboozle us. Is He going to bless us or is He going to curse us? Is He going to promote us or demote us? Is He going to heal us or give us more sickness in order to keep us humble? Come on, no sir. No sir we would be a confused people yes. because we don't know the God we serve. Is He the God of judgment? Or is He the God of mercy? Are y'all following yes, me? We've got to be, listen, we've got to rightly divide the word of truth. Just, look at, help me Father. Even the judgments spoken by the prophets were not universally applicable. They only applied to those people at that time. And as soon as they repented, repented the judgment was lifted. Yes, so you can't take a judgment spoken to a rebellious Israel and bring it into Greenville, South Carolina, and preach to the church of God's redeemed and say, y'all are cursed with a curse. Amen. I didn't do what they did and I'm covered with the blood of Christ. I stand before you, the redeemed of the Lord, and I'm going to say so. God would do so much more for us and through us if we would simply redefine who He is to us. Is this making sense? What is the source material for that? If it doesn't come from the life of Christ or the letters of Paul, I would say to you, be cautious. Yes, sir. We ought not to be confused. Is this okay? I want you to go with me to the book of Luke, or Matthew. Matthew. Jesus here in this chapter, chapter 7, and we're going to read verses 7 through 11 was seeking to clear up all the confusion as only he could. The Bible says grace and truth came with Jesus Christ or through Jesus Christ. God didn't change. But he deals with people according to what they do and what they believe. And he doesn't deal with his beloved the same way he deals with the rebellious. He doesn't deal with the obedient the same way he deals with the disobedient. He doesn't deal with the saint in the same way he deals with the sinner. Divide the word of truth. Just because it was said to them then doesn't mean it applies to you now. So you need to just divorce it from your mindset that you're cursed in any way. Because if you are redeemed, then you're redeemed. The key is to start believing it because when we believe it, your belief affects your behavior. You're following me. So here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. He says, Ask, and it will be given to you. What is the it? It's what you ask, it's in red gotta be true ask and it shall be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you how many of you know the Bible says that in our day to us every promise is yes every promise is yes Oh, but pastor, they're conditional. He met the conditions. So I'm not trying to meet the conditions. I'm trusting in the fact that he met the conditions. And so now in response to that divine yes comes a human. Amen. I'm so glad that he did what I couldn't do. That he dotted every I, he crossed every T, he obeyed every command. And so now I'm living victoriously, not through my strength. For the Bible says, Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not even me. It's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live through the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. So God didn't change, but He changed all who would believe. So now we're no longer strangers and aliens and alienated from God. We're His sons and His daughters. Welcome to the very throne of grace. So don't tell me I'm like them. Don't preach to me like I'm cursed. Don't preach to me like I'm afar off. Don't tell me what I got to do to appease an angry God. Don't tell me that sea rap. Right. <laughs> tell me about the grace of God. Tell me about the mercy of God. Tell me about the love of Christ. Tell me about the price he paid. Tell me about what he did so I can walk in victory through him. He's a good God. Hmm. No more closed doors. He said right here, it will be open to you. So if it will be open to you, tell me what door is closed to you. Oh, the devil will make you certainly believe the door is closed. If you believe you're not worthy of walking through it. The devil will make you believe the lie. Hmm. Verse 8, for some who ask, receive. Oh, I'm sorry. For everyone, does that include you? Yeah, Absolutely. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And I love this when he comes down to verse 9. Or what man is there among you, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? (laughs) Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, I like it, if you, being evil, see ain't none of them were born again yet every one of them had the nature of the devil. And so Jesus looks at him and says, If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts, you're evil. And even you wouldn't give your son a stone when he asks you for bread. Even you, and you're evil, wouldn't give your son a snake would you? Then give God at least as much credit as you give yourself. Hmm. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, listen to this. How much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good? Is anyone here this morning? How much more will your father, everyone say, he's my father. He's my father. If you're born again, that's your daddy yo. How much more will he give good? This word give, listen to this, in the Greek language, it's didomai. And this is what it means. To give something to someone that's of their, to their advantage. So what Jesus was saying here is every gift that God gives you is to your advantage. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And you've got to be religiously dumb wow. to believe that poverty is to your advantage. You've got to be religiously brainwashed to believe that disease is to your advantage. No, sir. Because it's the religious that will say, God will make you poor to keep you humble. Uh-uh. No, humility doesn't come from poverty. Humility comes from submitting yourself to God. Yes. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humility comes from submission, yes. not poverty. No, sir. Amen. No, sir. Amen. I'm preaching Bible school stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. God gives that which is advantageous. And then the word give is agathos. And listen to this. It means good, pleasant agreeable, joyful, happy. He'll give you what is good to those who ask Him. Now listen, Jesus was revealing a God who could be counted upon, who could be trusted. He was revealing a God who was better to us than we've ever been to ourselves. But we need to clear up the confusion. Is God going to bless us or bamboozle us? Do you know what the word bamboozle means? It means to switch. Yes. To give you something. If you, if you go into a business deal with somebody and they present the deal one way and you go through it and then you find out that was to your disadvantage, you got bamboozled. No one likes getting bamboozled. And when you get bamboozled, you don't go to the bamboozler again. This is why it's dangerous to entertain the idea God might bless and God might bamboozle. Now, when Jesus would teach something that was hard to understand, he would use illustrations. And I couldn't find me no mustard seeds. So I got jelly beans. And I'm going to use a handful of folks to, to... illustrate a truth Jorge you deserve it (laughs) so come on up here Robert you don't deserve it but you just look so nice come on up here you look good on TV Micah and Sandy just cuz you'll know what those cups are for in a moment line up right over here come on over here y'all are on TV so smile You quit. Stop. Okay. I couldn't find a mustard seed. So I ordered gourmet jelly beans. And these ain't just, this ain't cheap dollar store stuff, y'all. This is jelly belly. So here's what I want you to do I want you to pick a jelly bean. Don't eat it yet. You can pick anyone you want, whatever you believe in God for. <laughs> Just choose whatever you're believing God for. Ooh, I like licorice.. You just trust in the Lord, ain't you? All right, let me, let, me get, let me get my phone here. Now y'all bear with me because this is going to drive home the point. Don't eat them yet. I got to open up my pictures here. What color did you get? Okay. I think that's is that pink? Yeah. So you either got strawberry banana or dead fish. She's either going to be blessed or bamboozled. Which one do you get? Ooh, I know what that one is. You either got licorice or skunk spray. Shandily and I. You never know what God's going to do. How many of you ever heard that? What'd you get? Pure white. Pure white? Ooh, that's a good one. Because that's either coconut or white spoiled coconut. milk. Mm, both. <laughs> both. <laughs> got a green. Oh, I know that. That's either pear or barf. <laughs> so here's what I want you all to do: partake. Blessed or bamboozled? Blessed. You're a liar. Because every one of them is nasty. I didn't give you no options. Well, you must have some funky taste, bud, sister. You ruined my illustration. What ones did you have? It was pink. You told me he, he's You got barf. Yeah. There's always gotta be one. Did you get blessed or bamboozled? I Well, you got skunk spray. I think so. <laughs> What'd you get? It tastes all right. <laughs> I should have asked for people with palettes some taste buds. I saw your face, you're the only one playing with me. It's not, um. Okay, that's no, a, it, it rotten. <laughs> give it one more, give it one more. No. <laughs> it definitely wasn't coconut. Oh, well, you're gonna find out what they are. <laughs> <laughs> this was pretty nasty. <laughs> 10 second rule. No, 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 no! (laughs) Because you're you're robbing me of my illustration. I worked on this all week. No, it didn't work with you. There's a purpose to this. Y'all play along. I'm being Superman. I need Pee Wee Harmon. Okay, and someone over here who thought it was so tasty. I'm gonna give her the worst one. This one, I'm just going to let you know, is canned dog food. <laughs> now i got to dig my way out of a hole. Canned dog food is better than what it looks like. <laughs> Whoops. Ten-second rule. My wife will correct me when we get home, y'all. Hang on a second. Oh, I don't want oh. to play. I don't play. Don't take them yet. (laughs) Holly, there you go. I mean, (laughs) might as well. well (laughs) 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 Now you gotta pop them all in at the same time. All right. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Put both hands out. Oh, out. Awesome. Now you get them all mixed. All right. Now here's the point. Go ahead and take them all. I want to see some faces. All of them now. <laughs> that was a skunk spray. That was a skunk spray. Pop them all in, not one at a time. No different. Be a man. Not good. Not good? 20 seconds? I can eat these? Well, you can eat these two. It was mop last week. Good? No. Huh? Try, I love these faces. Are you eating them one at a time? Oh. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the point. Of the, first off, would you give these all, a hand?
1: <laughs> okay. I can't swallow them. Huh?
0: Tell them what the beans taste like. Oh, I did. like <laughs> In there. We had canned dog food, stink bug, rotten egg, booger, dead fish, spoiled milk, stinky socks, barf, dirty dishwater, and skunk spray. Now here's the point of the illustration besides just giving me great humor. If God were to bamboo, see if I had more of these, how many of you would be willing to eat a whole box of them? Negative. 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 It does not work to God's advantage to bamboozle you because he wants you to have faith. So if you come to him and ask him for something good and he gives you stink bug, you ain't going to pray no more. And if you get enough bamboozles, you ain't going to go to God no more. And this is one of the reasons why Jesus said, when I come back, am I going to find faith on the earth? Or our preachers and theologians going to have been successfully robbing my people of faith by telling them I'm a God of judgment when I'm a God of mercy and when I'm a God of the bamboozle when I'm a God of the blessing? So you need to understand if you go to God and ask Him for provision, He ain't going to give you poverty to keep you grateful. No, no, if you go to God and you ask him for a blessing, you are not going to get bamboozled because God don't play these kind of games. God is trying to solicit from his people faith, and it's the goodness of God, not the stink bug of a jelly bean that makes you have great faith. Does that make sense? Let me say this to you. God is either good all the time or he ain't good none of the time. Do you hear what I just said? The Bible says that I am the Lord that changeth Not. not. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Him there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. So He's either good all the time, or He ain't good none of the time. But what He isn't is changing from day to day. You following me? I'm going to try to wrap this up real quick. But see, a lot of us, we, we, we think of God in two humanistic terms. Right? And there, it's, it's like a woman who lives with an abusive man and loves him for some odd reason. She loves him, but she don't trust him because she never knows, is he going to come home happy or mad? Is he going to come home with roses or a baseball bat? Am I going to get a hug or a fist in the face? She don't ever know. Now, she loves him, but she doesn't know him, so she can't trust him. And that's the same approach some people take with God. They come before God like this because they're not sure. Is he going to bless me or is he going to bamboozle me? If I come to God, is he going to make things worse in order to keep me humble? That ain't our God. That's that's a result of having that hodgepodge theology. Is this okay? I'm going to try to wrap this up. Let me make this statement to you. So if God, listen to this, if God is ever good, then He is forever good. And if He ain't forever good, He ain't ever good. Selah. Either let God be truth teller or a liar. But he ain't both. Either your God is good or your God is mean. Either your God is a blesser or your God is a bamboozler. But he can't be both. How many choose the blessing? I declare before you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, before all the angels of heaven and before God Himself, God is a blesser, not a curser. He's never going to give you a stone when you ask Him for a loaf of bread. He ain't going to give you a snake when you ask Him for provision. Mm. There are only two things God cannot do. God cannot lie. And God cannot change. Hallelujah, Father. Go to the book of Ephesians and we'll close with this. The one thing He may do is He may exceed your expectations. I think He holds that divine right. He will never bamboozle you, but He will shock you. Because you come before Him asking Him for a cabin and He gives you a mansion. You ask Him for a shove and He gives you a corvette. You ask Him for a two-bedroom, one-bath, and He gives you a four-bedroom, three-bath. He will exceed, but He will never bamboozle. Y'all follow me? Our God is a good God. And if He's ever good, He's forever good. And if He ain't forever good, He ain't ever good. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly, Beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. What is that power? That's faith. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we think or ask. But He will never bamboozle, He will never play a switcheroo. You following me? Yes, sir. Everyone say, I am redeemed, I am redeemed. Not, cursed. not cursed. I'm blessed, I'm blessed. not bamboozled. I'm My God God. is good all the time time. and all the time. time. My My God is good. God calls us to believe. Stinky jelly beans don't help us believe He's a good God. Going to Him in prayer and not knowing, is He going to make things worse in order to make you humble? You can't have confidence if you don't know what He's going to do. But when you know what God is going to do, when you know he's going to bless you, when you know that you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open. Suddenly, faith now becomes an easy thing. And when you know that God is good all the time, you can bring to him every care. And you're free from anxiety. You're free from fear. Why? Because my God is good all the time and he gives good gifts and when i need healing he's a healer when i need provision he's a provider when i need saving he's a savior he is everything i'll ever need and he is the good in life yes, sir. Yes. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. i wish in the church if we could do one thing i wish we could do this quit giving god credit for what the devil does Our God is a good, good God. Yes. Amen? Would you stand to your feet this morning? Hallelujah. Would you forgive me for feeding you stinky bugs? <laughs> got one more, uh, okay, alright. I want us to pray this together, okay? Father, Father. forgive me for thinking ill of You. I redefine You, Father, according to Your Word. I believe that You are and I believe that You are the rewarder of everyone, and that includes me, who seeks You. And Father, I do seek You. I seek seek Your face. I seek Your your will. will. So I know know. Mm. that good Good. flows my way. Healing is mine. Provision is mine. mine. Every good, every every perfect gift is mine to enjoy. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. If you go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap, I guess we have one more thing to do before. Lee, do you have something else? Another person needs to have a certificate. Could you all give us two minutes so Lee could do this? Go ahead and take your seat. I guess we have one more certificate to give. And since they did go through the class, I would like for them to be at uh, a public hearing. Okay. Viewing. Is it on? They'll turn you on. Oh, okay, Habib.